Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and in today's episode, we are sitting down with Carmine Solano, the owner of Cheersounds.com. Now, I have to apologize before we get right into the episode. Carmine is living a quite amazing life, which we are going to talk about in this episode, and he lives on a boat. And on this boat, he was using AirPods. Uh, his Wi-Fi was a little bit glitchy here and there. So there are definitely some moments where the audio is not quite as good as I would like to have. This episode is going to be two parts. There are some really amazing conversations. So if you can push through some of the audio challenges, I promise you, you're going to get a ton out of it. Again, thank you for listening. If you know someone who would love this podcast, make sure you are sharing it with them, improving our listener base. We have a lot of people that could benefit from listening to some of the business lessons learned we're talking about, some of the great things we're discussing in the cheer world. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are sitting down and talking with Carmine, who if you are, and and I'm going to not even try to say your last name because I'd probably butcher it, um, but if you're from the cheer industry, Solano. Solano. So if you're from the cheer industry, you you probably know who Carmine is. Uh, Carmine... Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but uh, he created a lot of really amazing resources for music production in the cheer industry. Um, and he is currently, it appears he's on a boat uh, and outdoors. That's correct. Um, yep. So, uh, Carmine, why don't you, uh, do you mind introducing yourself and just telling people who you are and, and what it is that you've you've done and what it is that you're kind of up to right now. Sure. My name is Carmine Solano. Back in 2010, I started a company called Cheer Sounds that creates and licenses music for the cheerleading and dance industry. And um, it's been a really fun ride. It grew to be a lot bigger than I anticipated. And, uh, and then I, I sort of wanted to phase out of it to get some time back and that's brought me on a really long journey that I'm, I'm sure we'll chat about. Some of it related to the cheerleading industry, some of it totally unrelated to the cheer industry. And um, it's been a lot of fun. I I do enjoy sharing the experience with people, but uh, <laughs> we've been traveling on the water so much you don't run into a lot of people to talk to. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to talk uh, talk about it again. And my goal of sharing that information is it's for anybody who who might want to do something similar, which is build a business and then walk away from it. And it's, uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. But I, I think, uh, well, we'll see where the conversation goes. There's, yeah. There's so many yeah. different angles. Too. Yeah, that's awesome. So where are you right now? You're on the water, but like, so where are you? Yeah, I'm on the intercoastal waterway down in Melbourne, Florida. Um, which is which is where I've lived for a while. Once where okay. the company started, um, and it's it's just nice out here. Uh, it's quiet. It's a small town that's starting to grow a lot, and I don't really want it to grow, so we're sort of leaving it as it grows. Um, but my business is here. My wife's business is here, and so we can't go too far for a long period of time, at least. That's fair. Uh, yeah, Melbourne, Florida. Okay, so. Um... 
so cheer sounds obviously i've heard of it uh phenomenal company um and and you started back you said in 2010 that's correct so 2010 correct me if i'm wrong but that was back in the wild wild west of cheer music where we just downloaded different music and and put it together and there wasn't all the the licensing challenges and things like that correct that's correct and so i got involved in cheer in 2005 just to give a fast background on on how this came about and in 2005 um team and and i had just left music licensing class which was a minor for me in the music industry and I'd leave class and go straight to practice and sort of say, well, there's no way any of this is licensed. I just learned about this 40 minutes ago. And uh, that's where the ideal sort of uh, manifested itself. Okay. So when Cheer Sounds got started, were you um, from the beginning using licensed music and going through it in that fashion? Like, how did you guys get your start? What was, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, no, we started like everybody else. And then uh, after I left my software job for Northrop Grumman, I sort of said, if I'm going to do this for real and make it a viable business, I can't be doing it this way. And so we started down the route of covers. And that idea came from the WWE, the Worldwide uh, Wrestling Federation. Or uh, they, It used to be WWF, it became WWE. But either way, they pretty much made their own entrance music and walk-on music for the wrestlers. And they did that because they used to walk on to like Aerosmith and stuff, and then they ended up getting sued. So the model had already been established to say, well, screw the record industry, and let's just make our own. Now, we didn't quite run right into originals. We ran into covers. And the reason why is because then we didn't have to work with the label. We didn't have to work with the um themselves however we still had to work with the publisher to get licensing for it but that's dirt cheap that's 9.1 cents per copy not forty thousand dollars okay and so we pursued the route of covers same way that um uh kids bop and now not now music but kids bop and all of these other covers you know that's they all follow the same model which is i'm not gonna work with the label i'll just make my own version Make my own car. Got it. And we did that. We just tried to make it sound really close to the original so that cheer people wouldn't complain. Okay. So when, uh, and I don't remember the exact date when the cheer world went a little bit nuclear on the music side of things, uh, where you couldn't use copyrighted music. Weird. I know. Shocking that we couldn't use copyrighted music. Um, but you yeah. were well poised to pivot really quickly and and not only pivot quickly but then come out with some new products within a very short period of time for the cheer industry um would you mind telling us a little bit about how that process went about and how maybe you were strategically ready to to pivot and accommodate that yeah so i mean the writing was on the wall that you couldn't you couldn't make it onto CBS Sports and NBC Sports and all of these other broadcasts that were covering college nationals and, and, and get a, get around this. The music was being re, being replaced during broadcast. Um, we started doing the covers 
in dead silence because nobody would want to buy music from us if we told them it wasn't the actual song. So we were already making covers and making mixes out of covers. Um, I traveled with the USASF for the regional meetings, which are now just a single national meeting, but it used to be five regional meetings a year. And during that, I talk about licensing. I talk about covers. It's there is a path forward. But nobody cared. I mean, some of these these uh, classes, like four people would show up to, or two, six. Nobody cared. It was the same as the ASCAP conversations. Nobody cared about that either. Um, and then when they show up to their gym, they'd be like, what's ASCAP? And like, but, um, and I'm not a fan of them either. And if we go down that path, I'll get there. We resigned our whole catalog from ASCAP. But the when yeah I'm probably not to use names when the large broadcasts of cheer uh, got silenced uh, via you know cease and desist suddenly it became we can't do this anymore did you guys know that yeah of course everybody knew that mm-hmm. and I had written my letters to all of the large organizations in cheer and they pretty much told me to shut up. Don't you dare accuse us of anything and don't use our name in in a sentence ever again. Okay. And then two years later, suddenly it was, hey, everybody, did you know? We're here to protect. Yeah, all right. Well, anyway, that's when everything started shifting and then everybody was mandated to switch. But yes, we were poised to work for it because we've already been doing this cover thing for a while. And we had been proposing for original music, just like the WWE had done years before. And we weren't the innovators of that path. Um, Patrick Avard had made that pretty popular already. JR had made that really popular already. Um, but they had only serviced upper echelon teams. If you right. Um, I've never really serviced upper echelon teams. Like, every once in a while, we'll get one. But that's so much more of a political, who you know, and uh, that's who my competitor used, so I'll level the playing field and get the music from the same guy as him. But that's like that arena, and I just don't really compete in that arena because the mm. dollars aren't in that arena. And so when the rules changed and then everybody went, well, you need all original, and that's, you know, $3,000 a mix, we went, no, it's not. You get pre-made, eight, nine bucks. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of when the company popped really fast. And then the build your own music stuff, which it was all built on the same present. It's either uh, or the same pretense. It's either covers or it's originals, but it's affordable. It's licensed. If the licensing screwed up, I'll take the blame for it. And that risk mitigation sentence right there is what got us into the school districts. Hmm. That's where cheerleading really exists. Competitive cheer is not in the school districts. I mean, it is. You know, they have state state champs in there. But the volume of cheerleading is in the school districts, not in all stuff, not in rec even. It's in schools. Hmm. And so uh, I, I, followed the, I followed the path to growing a business every step of the way. And um, yeah. That's awesome. So you have this pre-made, not pre-made, your make your own music, uh, your eight count mixer, I believe is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, full transparency, I've used it. In fact, I use it just about every year, um, to make, when I do high school choreography, I use it to make their routines. Cause like you said, the 
the volume is in the high schools and or in the schools in general. Um, and then I've used it for our our lower uh, lower cost teams, you know, our, our half year teams or our prep teams. And I've even used it one year. Um, our music was going to be late. And so I just made one gym mix and we used it for every team that weekend. Cause we had to compete and we weren't, we, I didn't want to do it to an eight count track. So, Hey, I'll go spend yeah. 500 bucks on, and, and you don't need to spend that much, but we wanted to have some custom voiceovers and things. I'll spend something to have a gym mix and yeah. we'll compete with that. Um, and I've just been so impressed with the, the convenience and affordability of that. How did you create that? Cause it's Appreciate. a really good program. Like it auto mixes and everything. It is so stupidly easy. I could put my 12 year old on it and he could create a mix if he just literally just pulled music over and butted them up to each other and they would flow into each other and the eight counts would match like the, the tempo would match. Like how did you create this thing? So um, there's a few angles to that answer. The, um, I'm a software developer by, by my first trade all the way from childhood. That was my obsession was the word for it. And um, so to me, the answer to everything is in software somewhere. I don't feel that way these days, to be honest. But but growing up all the way through college and through the entire inception of Cheer Sounds, I believed everything was software, software, software. Um, my father was a good businessman. I showed him the beginnings of Cheer Sounds, which was all custom music only. We talked about automating it. And uh, he said, let the people build their own. That's what they want. He ran a t-shirt factory. So, I mean, whatever customization you can imagine there, uh, that's what gave him his inkling to say, people want to do it themselves, they just don't know how. So if you can make something that lets them do it themselves. I'm like, I don't know, Dad. People like saying, I, I got my music from this guy. He's cool. And he's like, yeah, 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 I don't care. Those guys are for the birds. He calls them, well, I'm not allowed to curse them for me. But anyway, he says, that's for the birds. And you, you want people, people want to do it themselves. They want to have control in a place they never had control before. Oh, okay, good tip. Uh, I worked in Northrop Grumman as a software developer. We were working on some really cool um, reconnaissance stuff, and I was working with a guy named Edward. Uh, Edward and uh, in the fourth floor hallways of the building, I said, hey, Edward, I got this idea, but it's more software than I can manage on my own. We've worked together before. You're pretty good. Are you interested? And he said, this was an 11. So we started developing this build-your-own platform which was, well, coaches and choreographers understand an eight-count sheet. That's the language they speak. Mm -hmm. and we don't want to teach them music because they have no interest in learning music, and that's hard. Um, but, but if they understand the eight-count sheet, what about if we could just make the eight-count sheet a music sequencer? And that's where the idea started, and uh, it took about two and a half years to, to make that platform actually work. Uh, and we launched it in 2014 as eight there is another version nobody knows about. It's called Shuffix. We just don't promote it very much, but it's even easier than eight count mixing. It's just uh, you use a bunch of stuff like and make a playlist, and it turns that whole playlist into a mix for you. Hmm. Uh, but people like the eight count sheet one, so we just keep we keep promoting the eight count sheet one. <laughs> but Shuffle Mix was always one of the original plans. Was what about if you could just take a playlist of songs and then make a mix out of that? I might have to give it a try because um, so, that yeah, sounds that's, cool. That's where the idea came from. Yeah, it's fun. So the, the, the idea really did come from that kind of my dad saying, people want to make their own. Trust me. 
Look at that. Uh, two, meeting, uh, working together with Edward because that project was more than one person. Though I do have to say, Edward pretty much coded 99% of that Phoenix stuff. Um, you know, we started together and I worked on back end stuff. I'm not really a front end guy at all, but I work on back end server side. Uh, but then I, I just kind of went here. I have mixes to make. I don't have time to do this thing. And he, uh, he just kept running with it for, for years and still does. Still does. Uh, and yeah, how do you keep it cost effective? Custom music takes time. Time is money. Uh, scaling the overhead keeps going up. But mm -hmm. if it's software, it scales without complaint. And if it does complain, you add in another server to the pool. Right. Right. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that's so interesting that's about question. your approach is you have like, well, every business owner understands that employees cost money and employees have limited time. So as a mixer, right, the biggest challenge I encounter when I'm going to someone who's going to custom build my mix is, well, they have limited time. They can't fit anyone else in. They can't do that thing. Uh, or they can't fit us in for another month. Well, your eight count mixer never says no. It's always there. Yeah, I mean, you're literally, your scale is borderline limitless. It's it's just so impressive mm -hmm. what you can do there. And from a business acumen standpoint, I mean, just so impressive. And I'm I'm shocked that no one has ever tried to mimic it. I'm guessing because the coding is so complicated that they wouldn't, no, uh, it's because we, we patented it oh, in okay. three different ways. It Clones started to be made, um, I won't say who, two different people did start creating their own version. Um, one of them absolutely built their own version with our patent sitting next to them to make sure they never stepped on anything. And it came out as a, a really bizarre experience that no longer exists. And then the other, um, we did say hey by the way you should read this first and <laughs> we yeah we spent a lot of time on that patent that was filed in 2014 and it took five four years five years for that to publish with a published claim um not just a spec you know the actual here's here's your patent um, but as long as you get your, and so business talk, as long as you get your spec sheet done, you have some level of protection. Hmm. So right at the beginning, we laid out everything we could imagine this would do. We didn't write the patent and we had a lot of help on the writing of the patent. Um, but we didn't write just what we did. We wrote the patent for every iteration and embodiment that we could possibly think of because you want to write down, Hey, I've already acknowledged that this is a path we could pursue mm -hmm. once it's in your spec you have a level of protection that other people cannot patent doesn't mean they can't do it but they know they'll never be able to patent it because it's already in the spec and then from there you pursue what claims you're going to go after to say i really want my patent issued on this claim and that claim and this claim and that and that is something that uh, you drag that procedure out as long as you possibly can one country at a time one claim at a time to keep your spec alive so that you get a year of protection possible. Don't just run and gun it all in the first two and a half years. Um, you'll miss out on opportunities down the road. 
Wow. So I, I had no idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just interesting. Like realistically, I'm not going to go start a music company. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners probably aren't either, but understanding, uh, the steps and the processes that go into it, it's just fascinating stuff. And most gym owners aren't working in the patent world. Um, you know, we're not patenting our, our choreography or, uh, our routines or our training methodologies. And I think it'd be pretty hard to patent some of those things, but just really cool to think about all of the steps that go into it. Cause when I'm interfacing with the account mixer, I'm not thinking about all those complexities that went into creating this and building it. So, so you've not only done cheer business though, you've done, you've, you've branched out and kind of diversified yourself, correct? Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in software. I've always been interested in music. They don't always merge together. Sometimes I just do music projects like um, scoring a MasterCard commercial or ASU's um, uh, campus commercials and things like that. Uh, that's just straight up music work, music licensing. I do that because I enjoy it. On the software side, uh, it always software as a service always interests me. We're working on a project now. Again, it's like a business-to-business -business project where a business has a need to do like waivers, for example. And some systems have that built in. Other systems don't. Some mm. businesses are so small they never really thought about it and they're doing paper waivers. So we're like, why don't we just automate this? It's really easy. You know, here's a tablet, sign the waiver, it's searchable, takes down basic information. I mean, you walk into, you know, a play place and they say, have you filled out the waiver? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, which phone number? Punch, punch, punch. Oh, there you are. Good. You're good to play. Go ahead. Hmm. You're checked in. Simple system already exists. It's a lot. That doesn't mean you can't redo it with a little twist to it or mm -hmm. um, whatever you see. So software, that's a skill that I'll probably never put down. Real estate investment has nothing to do with cheer music or anything like that. I, I have five properties here. I do like renovating. Um, my wife likes designing homes. I like working with my hands. Um, so we, we had a river home that we worked on for the last two years. And maybe you've heard about the commercial land grabs going on down in Florida where you have actual like REITs buying up residences. Yep. And I did get a phone call today. I got one over the weekend. I got one last week. And they want our properties um, because they're on the water. I don't really like the idea of selling to a company, but I will entertain, you know, investors who have their own private portfolio, right. kind of like how we do as a family. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I do entertain all of their requests. The corporations, I will back burner that as long as possible. I don't really believe in that move and the overall goal of of let's buy up all the houses and make people rent. I don't like that. Uh, we're getting off topic, maybe, but uh, there is no of, topic. The topic is you. Is business that I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but there's, there's a lot to talk about. That's that's interesting to, to discuss. Um, we do have medical property. We have some life. And cheer sounds is a rental. It's just the rent was so good when we got in. I can't seem to walk away from it. Oh, really? 
And it's in a good building too. But the building is like 20% vacant when we came in. And so we were negotiated a good deal and then extended that for seven years. Wow. So what got you into the real estate but side of things? Whatever that's worth. Those are the businesses I'm in. I have a printing business. It doesn't, I got a little printing business. It doesn't do a lot. I've been mostly for cheerleading. We used mm -hmm. to manufacture the goods themselves, but I sold the equipment off because it was just way too labor intensive. Um, I don't know if you hear the plane in the background. It's just unusually loud. Uh, just vaguely, I can hear it. Um, so you've, you've got experience in all these different business ventures. You've done real estate. You've done cheer music. You've done softwareing. You've done, uh, you know, patenting, you've done all, you have all these different experiences. Um, how would, what do you think are some important lessons learned just as in general, a business owner that might be good for a, a gym owner or someone who's just starting a business, maybe in cheer or not to kind of hone in on and, and get from the, the knowledge base that you have. In cheer, you're running a business. I mean, the content of it happens to be cheerleading. Just look at it that way. The content happens to be cheerleading. But what your job really is, as the business owner, has nothing to do with cheerleading. It has to do with good processes, good people, a lot of predictability, um, creating steady income streams and making sure that you do not have to be present in this business all the time because you never know what opportunity comes next and you need your time available to pursue the next opportunity. I know that says nothing about cheerleading, so my cat was just fine. Girl. That's okay. I'll say that sentence again. Oh, I heard you. Um, I know that response has nothing to do with cheerleading, but that was purposeful. Mm -hmm. To a gym owner, you'll know what steps are necessary better than I will to make your business successful, but don't get lost in any of the emotions of this business. Um, the same goes for music. People get real passionate about music and the duke out who's the best, and none of that matters. What matters is what is your customer expecting from you? Can you deliver that or more reliably and service them throughout the process so they never have to wonder what it is that you're doing? Um, if you love <laughs> watching this like slowly fall down. For those just listening, that his camera is, is uh, has a mind of its own at the moment. I figured you might, you might want to hit that. Let's see. I apologize about that. It very well may happen again. Well, you're on a boat, um, man. Like <laughs> things happen, right? There's there's wakes, the boat rocks. This, so this this camera mount is is this is the camera mount that's usually right at my helm, um, so I can put my phone on there. And I decided to move it just for the sake of this call. It doesn't like that I moved it. Um, to get back to the question, you'll know what's best in your business to make it succeed as a cheer gym. But the success doesn't really 
always come from those moves you made that are content specific, such as we have to win at this event or we need um, recognition from, you know, whatever, USA said, you know the answers to those, but they're not the make or break. The make or breaks are, are, are your customers happy with what it is that you're doing? Um, are your processes really consistent and predictable? Are your staff good charactered? Mm-hmm. If they're not, do you have a way and uh, do, you, do, you have a, uh, do you have a process to bring in a new person to replace somebody who either left or you didn't want there anymore? Um, the more predictable you can make your business, the more reliable it becomes for your customers. And that matters tremendously. So we could be talking about a Play-Doh manufacturer right now, or we could be talking about a cheer business. The, the principles are the same. The principles of success aren't necessarily related to the content. Hell, with cheer music, we can get in a giant argument over who has the coolest voiceovers, but that doesn't matter at the end of the day. It mm-hmm. really doesn't. That matters to 1% of the community. And according to our sales records, that's an accurate number. 1% of the community buys all original mixes that are completely exclusively made for them. You can't run a business on 1%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And I think that one of the things you touched on that I think was so poignant and, and important to, for anyone listening to take is like that, that consistent delivery of a great product, like meeting your clients expectations consistently, repeatedly over and over and over again. And that's one of the things that you can obviously tell you've applied to your business with with cheer music, I, I know what I'm going to get. When I go to eight count mixer, I know I'm going to be able to make a mix. I'm going to be able to get it done. I'm going to be able to buy it right then and have it in my inbox in 24 hours at the latest. And normally it's five minutes. So I just, you, you do that in your business. And I imagine you have few complaints from customers because your product works every time the way people expect it to work. For the most, um, if you have extraneous cases here and there that are either technical glitches or user error, and then anytime there's a user error, that prompts us to now update this system to guide the person away from that user error. Um, custom music's different. Custom music is a more labor-intensive, more traditional business where somebody puts in an order, we provide a service, and and those rules, uh, the rules of business apply there. Uh, that relies more heavily on the character of your employees, mm-hmm. um, their diligence to work, uh, all, all of those, but software, you know, it does alleviate that. I'm not advocating every human being be replaced by software. That's far from what I advocate. No, no. But there are a lot of times, there's a lot of times where it just, everybody would just be happier if they didn't have to, if they didn't have to do some of these jobs. And that's where software fits in wonderfully. Um, in this case, though, like we have tools in-house to set up sound effects and markers and all of these other things that go into a, a, a custom routine. We have software to do all of that because nobody wants to do the job of putting in markers and dropping in sound effects. Mm-hmm. It's awfully tedious and boring. So we've automated that. But the creative parts, they want to do. So go here, do all the creative stuff. The reason we leverage technology so hard is to do the ability of, you know what you want. And it's easier for you to just do it yourself than try to explain it to somebody else to get it wrong. 
Here's a bunch of stuff. You can hear it. If you like it, buy it. If you don't, walk away. That's where we lever in technology because that is then a value. The value is you got to try it before you buy it. The value is you got to have more input than you would have before. That's not out to replace a job. It's to provide a value that the customer wanted that you could be on a live Skype call with your producer. You still won't get that same level of customization as if you built it yourself online. So we leveraged software in that context to provide something that couldn't be provided by human beings in that speed or timeline. Yeah, it's um, so interesting. And obviously software is not something there. There are ways to leverage software as a gym owner, you know, uh, you know, you can have your class management software and like you can automate your enrollment process and some of those things. But then where the yeah. rubber meets the road is that person to person interaction. And, and I think what you were talking about yeah. and so intelligently saying is that consistent delivery of the product. So people know what they're getting when they're coming in their in your gym. And in my opinion, they should get the same delivery of product, whether they work with staff member A versus staff member B versus staff member C. Like that's my ultimate goal. I want them to experience our brand the same way. Now, obviously everyone else has their own, you know, little bit of style and, and you would see the same thing in custom music, but I want people to have a consistent experience, whether they're working with any of my staff members, they should be coming in and, and having that experience. And so, so interesting. How do you That's find, how do you find good staff? Like how do you as a business owner find your staff and make sure you're hiring the right people and getting them to understand your culture? Awesome question. The answer has evolved over the years. The most current answer is we put out job postings for people who really think the greatest thing on earth is to make music all day. And then we interview them, and all I do is gauge character, nothing else. It's purely character. Uh, and there is a music test that is hands-on only. It's not like written or anything. And I give them a pack of little audio components from our library and say, I want you to rebuild this from these pieces. And then I want you to do something creative and save it as another version. That's, that's the only part of the music test. It's not like that's a prerequisite. And it's like a check in the box. Do they have musical ability? Yes. Okay. Now let's move on to the important stuff. What do they want out of it? Do they want to be here? Because if they don't, the conversation's over. I get a person just looking for a job. It's, it's a very short interview. Um, it, there still are a lot of people that come through. And in music, you get people all walks of life. Uh, and they're genuinely excited that I'm not judging them based on what their degree says. They don't know that I'm judging them on their moral character. <laughs> but, but that is what I'm doing. Because that, at the end of the day, is determined how a person responds to, hey, the customer really wasn't happy with what you did. Um, they want it more like this. You could give that to one person and get aggression that says, well, the customer is immediate. They don't know what they're doing. And I know better. What do they know about music? Blah, blah, blah. Or you could get the other person that goes like, oh, man, I thought they were going to like that. All right. Well, let me get to it. And yeah. that's character. 
That's yeah. only character. That has nothing to do with your skill level whatsoever. You know, the guys who are grateful and understand, like, wow, I get benefits to sit here and make music for 40 hours a week. Like, if that really is exciting to them, I'm interested in music. Because they understand that music is a tough group and nobody has a full-time job. And that's what makes it a unique position. So when they do see that and they get thrilled about that, like, oh, good. I am able to provide them something they greatly value. Mm-hmm. Heck, it's kind of like a customer in a way. We're looking to make sure that they're really happy with what I'm providing. I don't want turnover. So we rehired 12 people in 2017. And with the exception of COVID, where two found new jobs. Mm-hmm. Because we did, after four months, we kind of said we're going to go pause for another. Two found new jobs. And with the exception of that, everybody else is still here. We've had no turnover from that hiring in 2017. And the hiring in 2017 is the one where we did say, I'm just hiring on character. The reason why is because the people from 2014, 15, and 16 were hired on skill. Mm -hmm. And I had a room of a bunch of arrogant jerks. And I couldn't take it. Hated every single one of them. And that wasn't going to work. We were all frustrated. Because they would go, oh, it's 5 o'clock? I left the computer on for you. I got another mix. You can finish it. Like, wow, wow, that's in, that's integrity if I haven't seen it before. Uh, we get guys like that because they were full of themselves and they thought they were going to be David Getter right out of college. Uh, you got a lot of people that resorted to drugs because they graduated college and realized that life isn't what they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I'm not a rehab facility, I'm sorry, it's a business. If we want to have a private conversation after hours, we can do that. But don't don't bother me during the day with, with your personal struggles. It's not that I don't care. It's just not appropriate for you to pull it into work. Mm-hmm. Some people think I'm rough about that, but you're running a business. And if your paid hours at work become everybody's, um, you know, venting session, you're not going to get anything done. And everybody's going to think they got all the compassion and leeway to bend however they need. I'm just not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, Outside of work though, like plenty of times, guys that have relationship issues and kids and they don't know what to do with it. And sometimes they do ask my opinion and I'm like, am I supposed to answer that? Let me check the HR manual. I'm not going to be by the book when we're off hours. Right. And I'll, I'll provide, you know, if somebody's interested, I'm like, I hope this helps. Maybe try this. Yeah, it's not that you're not going to invest in your your staff. It's not that you don't care. There's just a time and a place, right? And there's a time and a place. And if it becomes I'm looking for leniency or an excuse when it's, you know, 11 a.m., no, stop. Stop. We'll talk about it later. Right. Um. Uh, but but that stuff did that tapered off. That like again, when we rehired on character, you're hiring people who wouldn't put you in that position mm-hmm. because morally they know it would be inappropriate to start laying on these things that have nothing. But that was where the old crew, thought, like uh, one guy, first day of work, first day of work. Uh, hey, uh, I'm gonna be late. I said, um, okay, why? 
my dumb sister took my car to the beach. Don't tell me. Get in a taxi and get here. Right. Why are you even calling me? Like, it's foolish. Why are you even telling me that? Just find a way to get here. And you can see I kind of get heated about this stuff. Because to me, there's just a certain level of expectation of how to operate in the world. And, and so when we started hiring by character and you start eliminating people who just don't meet that bar, and all of a sudden um, life gets easier, the workplace gets easier and more productive, your customers mm-hmm. are happy with the outcome of the work that everybody does because they hold themselves to an expectation that they owe to the paying customer to pay yep. attention and do your best on their work. And that applies to coaching, absolutely. Yep. And, and you certainly see some of those same behaviors in coaches with that arrogance and that attitude, you know, Hey, Susie wasn't happy with class. She felt that, you know, uh, she wasn't really progressing or mom was unhappy. Didn't see her really working on these skills. And you get that coach that says, well, tell her to go F herself. You know, she doesn't know anything and I'm Mr. Superstar and I know how to train a quadruple yeah. full from, you know, right. And as opposed to that employee who goes, oh, no, so I, I certainly don't want that. Why don't we set up a time to talk to mom and I'll explain the process so she can understand why we were working on what we were working on. Right. It's just that whole different, different approach. They're not even saying they're wrong. Like the the employee who says, hey, I'm going to explain my process to them so they can understand. We're not questioning you, but some people yes. don't know what what it is you're doing. And so explaining that and helping them understand is valuable. And your model employee that you just uh, gave an example of took the approach of solving a problem rather than just compounding on more complaints. Yep. That's a character driven thing. I do think that's learned. I think, I think that's part of the culture. That's right. The, the second half of your question was culture related. Um, when you already have it established, it's a lot easier to throw a new person in and they just sort of adapt to the situation around them. Mm-hmm. So if you do have that established at the beginning or, or uh, you have, once you have that established, it's easier to propagate it, but you do have to stay on top of it to make sure it doesn't evolve on its own in a way that you wouldn't want it to for your business. Um, but to establish that culture at the beginning, um, knowing that you hired people of all similar character. It usually doesn't require uh, an excessive amount of explanation on, uh, for example, if your student's parent is upset with the progression. Um, we are going to have our procedure, which I hate laying it out because it seems like common sense. Let's communicate directly with the parent and explain what we're doing and see if it aligns with their expectation. Mm-hmm. Then we can compare. You know, and that's, that's how you evolve anything. Whether you're evolving a process or you're enforcing a process, it's generally about the expectations of what's being delivered versus the expectation of what was ex- what was expected to be delivered. Um, same applies with, with the example you gave. Susie's not progressing the way I hoped for. Oh, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing, and this is how it'll be delivered. And then the pair will express, "Oh, um, I see. That sounds good." Or, "Oh, I didn't know it worked that way. I was expecting." Blah, blah, blah. Yep. And if they don't say it that way, you can, you know, prompt the conversation so it flows them. Because then you get to the root of the problem and you can start solving it right away. People value that. Who doesn't value that? 
Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, as I said at the beginning, make sure you share it. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so we know that you're listening. And if you have any feedback on episodes you'd like to hear in the future, send them my way at dan at nextgenowners.com. We would love to hear your feedback and hope you are loving this. We will be back in a couple weeks with Carmine Solano Round 2, where we really do a deep dive into uh, some staffing ideas and challenges and thoughts on how to have better staff. We go even deeper into that uh, where we kind of ended today and we are going to have a bunch more really great conversation on the next one. We'll catch you then.